Chapter Seventeen of Prince Henry the Navigator, the Hero of Portugal and of Modern Discovery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Prince Henry the Navigator by Charles Raymond Beasley. Chapter Seventeen cotamosto fourteen fifty five to six we have now come to the voyages of the venetian cotamosto in the service of prince henry and though these were far from being the most striking in their general effect they are certainly the most famous the best known of all the enterprises of these fifty years fourteen fifteen to fourteen sixty it is true that cotamosto fairly reached sierra leone and passing the farthest mark of the earlier portuguese caravels coasted along many miles of that great eastern bend of the west african coast which we call the gulf of guinea but it is to his general fame as a seaman his position in italy and the interest he aroused by his written and published story that he owed his greater share of attention when i first set my mind begins his narrative on sailing the ocean between the strait of cadiz and the fortunate islands the one man who had tried to enter the aforesaid ocean since the days of our father adam was the infant don henry of portugal whose illustrious and almost countless deeds i pass over excepting only his zeal for the christian faith and his freedom from the bonds of matrimony for his father king john had not given up the ghost before he warned his son henry with saving precepts that the aforesaid holy faith he should foster with a dauntless mind and not fail in his vows of warring down the foes of christ therefore every year did don henry as it were challenging and hurling defiance at the moors persist in sending out his caravels as far as the headland called the cape of non not from the belief that beyond the said cape there is no return possible and as for a long time the ships of the prince did not dare to pass that point henry roused himself to accomplish this feat seeing that his caravels did much excel all other sailing ships afloat and strictly enjoined his captains not to return before they had passed the said cape who steadily pressing on and never leaving sight of the shore did in truth pass near one hundred miles beyond finding nothing but desert land beyond this again for the space of one hundred and fifty miles the prince then sent another fleet which fared no better and finding no trace of men or of tillage returned home and don henry growing ever keener for discovery and excited by the opposition as it were of nature sent out again and again till his sailors had reached beyond the desert coast to the land of the arabs 
and of those new races called azanagais people of a tawny colour and finally there appeared to these bold mariners the land of ethiopia which lies upon the shore of the southern ocean and here again from day to day the explorers discovered new races and new lands now i luigi cadamosto who had sailed nearly all the mediterranean coasts once leaving venice for celtogalia france but being caught by a storm off cape st vincent had to take refuge in the prince's town near the said cape and was here told of the glorious and boundless conquests of the prince whence accrued such gain that from no traffic in the world could the like be had the which continues the candid trader did exceedingly stir my soul eager as it was for gain above all things else and so i made suit to be brought before the prince if so be that i might gain leave to sail in his service for since the profit of this voyage is subject to his pleasure he doth guard his monopoly with no small care with the prince at last cadamosto made terms either that he the adventurer should furnish the ships at his own cost and take the whole risk upon himself and of the merchandise that he might gain a fourth part to go to his lord or that the prince should bear the cost of equipment and should have half the profits but in any case if there was no profit the whole expense should fall upon the trader the prince added that he would heartily welcome any other volunteers from venice and on cadamosto himself he urged an immediate start as for me repeats the sailor my age my vigour my skill equal to any toil above all my passionate desire to see the world and explore the unknown set me all on fire with eagerness and especially the fact that no countryman of mine had ever tried the like and my certainty of winning the highest honour and gain from such a venture made me forward to offer myself i only stayed to inquire from veteran portuguese what merchandise was the most highly prized among the ethiopians and people of the furthest south and then went home to find the best light craft for the ocean coasting that i had in mind meantime the prince ordered a caravel to be equipped and he gave one to vincent a native of lagos as captain and caused to be armed to the teeth as was required and on the twenty first of march fourteen fifty five cadamosto sailed for madeira on the twenty fifth they were off porto santo and the venetian stops to give us a description of the island which he says in passing had been found and colonized by the prince's seamen twenty-seven years before it was worth the settling every kind of grain and fruit was easily raised and there was a great trade in dragon's blood which is made from the tears of a tree on march twenty seventh cadamosto sailed from porto santo to madeira forty miles distant and easily seen from the first island 
when the weather was cloudy and here the narrative stops some time to describe and admire sufficiently madeira had been colonized under the lead and action of the prince four and twenty years before and was now thickly peopled by the portuguese settlers beyond portugal its existence was hardly known its name was from its woodland here cotamosto repeats the traditional falsehood about the place but the first settlers had destroyed most of this in trying to clear an open space by fire the whole island had once been in flames the colonists only saved their lives by plunging into the rivers and even zarco the chief discoverer with his wife and children had to stand in a torrent bed for two whole days and nights before they could venture on dry land again the island was forty miles round like porto santo it was without a harbour but not without convenient roads for ships to lie in the soil was fertile well watered by eight rivers that flowed through the island various kinds of carved wood are exported so that almost all portugal is now adorned with tables and other furniture made from these woods hearing of the great plenty of water in the island the prince ordered all the open country to be planted with sugar-cane and with vines imported from crete which do excellent well in a climate so well suited to the grape the vine staves make good bows and are exported to europe like the wine red and white alike but especially the red the grapes are ripe about easter in each year and this vintage as early as cotamosto's day was evidently the main interest of the islanders who had all the enthusiasm of a new venture in their experiment for no one had ever tried his hand upon the soil before from madeira the caravel sailed on three hundred twenty miles to the canaries of which says our venetian there are ten seven cultivated and three still desert and of the seven inhabited four are christian three heathen even now fifty years after de bethencourt's conquest neither wine nor grain can be produced on this soil and hardly any fruit only a kind of dye used for clothes in portugal goat's flesh and cheese can also be exported and something cotamosto fancies might be made of the wild asses that swarm in the islands each of these canary islands being some forty miles from the next the people of one do not understand the speech of their neighbours they have no walls but open villages watch-towers are placed on the highest mountains to guard the people of one village from the attacks of the next for a guerrilla warfare half marauding half serious civil war is the order of the day speaking of the three heathen islands which were also the most populous cotamosto stops a little over the mention of teneriffe wonderful among the islands of the earth and able to be seen in clear weather for a distance of seventy spanish leagues which is equal to two hundred and fifty miles and what makes it to be seen from so far is that on the top is a great rock of adamant like a pyramid 
which stone blazes like the mountain of etna and is full fifteen miles from the plain as the natives say these natives have no iron weapons but fight with stones and wooden daggers they go naked except for a defensive armor of goatskins which they wear in front and behind houses they have none not even the poorest huts but live in mountain caves without faith without god some indeed worship the sun and moon and others planets reverence certain idols in their marriage customs the chiefs have the first right by common consent and at the graves of their dead chiefs are most of their religious sacrifices the islanders have only one art that of stone-slinging unless one were to count their mountain-climbing and skill in running and in all bodily exercises in which nature has created these canarians to excel all other mortals they paint their bodies with the juice of plants in all sorts of colors and think this the highest point of perfection to be decked out on their skins like a garden bed from the canaries cotamosto sells to the white cape cape blanco on the mainland some way beyond bohador towards ethiopia passing the bay and isles of arguin on the way where the crews found such quantities of sea-birds that they brought home two shiploads and here it is to be noticed says the narrative that in sailing from the parts of cadiz to that ethiopia which faces to the south you meet with nothing but desert lands till you come to cape canton from which it is a near course to cape blanco these parts toward the south do run along the borders of the negro's land and this great tract of white and arid land full of sand very low-lying at a dead level it would be a quick thing to cross in sixty days at cape blanco some hills begin to rise out of the plain and this cape was first found by the portuguese and on it is nothing but sand no trace of grass or trees it is seen from far being very sharply marked three-sided and having on its crest three pyramids as they may be called each one a mile from its neighbor a little beyond this great desert tract is a vast sea and a wondrous concourse of rivers where only explorers have reached at cape blanco there is a mart of arab traders a station for the camels and caravans of the interior and those pass by the cape who are coming from negroland and going to the barbary of north africa as one might expect on such a barren stony soil no wine or grain can be raised the natives have oxen and goats but very few milk of camels and others is their only drink as for religion the wretches worship mahomet and hate christians right bitterly what is of more interest to the venetian merchant the traders of these parts have plenty of camels which carry loads of brass and silver and even of gold brought from the negroes to the people of our parts the natives of cape blanco 
are black as moles but dress in white flowing robes after the moorish fashion with a turban wound round the head and indeed plenty of arabs are always hovering off the cape and the bay of arguin for the sake of trade with the infants ships especially in silver grain and woven stuffs and above all in slaves and gold to protect this commerce the prince some time since fourteen forty eight built a fort in the bay and every year the portuguese caravels that come here lie under its protection and exchange the negro slaves that they have captured farther south for arab horses one horse against ten or fifteen slaves or for silks and woven stuffs from morocco and granada from tunis and the whole land of barbary the arabs on their side sell slaves that they have driven from the upland to the portuguese at arguin in all nearly a thousand a year so that the europeans who used to plunder all this coast as far as the senegal now find it more profitable to trade the mention of the senegal brings cotamosto to the next stage of his voyage to the great river which divides the azanagais tawny moors from the first kingdom of the negroes the azanagais cotamosto goes on to define more exactly as a people of a color something between black and ashen hue whom the portuguese once plundered and enslaved but now trade with peacefully enough for the prince will not allow any wrong-doing being only eager that they should submit themselves to the law of christ for at present they are in a doubt whether they should cleave to our faith or to mahomet's slavery but they are a filthy race continues the traveller all of them mean and very abject liars and traitorous knaves squat of figure noisome of breath though of a truth they cover their mouths as of decency saying that the mouth is a very cesspool and sewer of impurity they oil their hair with a foul-smelling grease which they think a great virtue and honour much do they make of their gross fat women whose breasts they deform usually that they may hang out the more straining their bodies when at seventeen years of age with ropes ignorant and brutal as they are they know no other christian people but the portuguese who have enslaved and plundered them now fourteen years this much is certain that when they first saw the ships of don henry sailing past they thought them to be birds coming from far and cleaving the air with white wings when the crews furled sail and drew in to the shore the natives changed their minds and thought they were fishes some who first saw the ships sailing by night believed them to be phantoms gliding past when they made out the men on board of them it was much debated whether these men could be mortal all stood on the shore stupidly gazing at the new wonder the centre of power and of trade in these parts was not on the coast but some way inland six days journey up the country is the place called tagaza or the gold market whence there is a great export of salt and metals 
which are brought on the camels of the arabs and azanagais down to the shore another route of merchants is inland to the negro empire of meli and the city of timbuktu where the heat is such that even animals cannot endure to labor and no green thing grows for the food of any quadruped so that of one hundred camels bearing gold and salt which they store in two hundred or three hundred huts scarce thirty return home to tagaza for the journey is a long one tis forty days from tagaza to timbuktu and thirty more from timbuktu to meli and how comes it proceeds cotamosto that these people want to use so much salt and after some fanciful astrological reasoning he gives us his practical answer to cool their blood in the extreme heat of the sun and so much is it needed that when they unload their camels at the entrance of the kingdom of meli they pack the salt in blocks on men's heads and these last carry it like a great army of footmen through the country when one negro race barters the salt with another the first party comes to the place agreed on and lays down the salt in heaps each man marking his own heap by some token then they go away out of sight about the time of midday sun when the second party comes up being most anxious to avoid recognition and places by each heap so much gold as the buyer thinks good then they too go away the sellers come back in the evening each one visits his pile and where the gold is enough for the seller's wishes he takes it leaves the salt and goes away for good where it is not enough he leaves gold and salt together and only goes away to wait again till the buyers have paid a second visit now the second party coming up again take away the salt where the gold has been accepted but where it still lies refused they either add more or take their money away altogether according to what they think to be the worth of the salt once the king of meli who sent out a party with salt to exchange for gold ordered his men to make captives some of the negroes who concealed themselves so carefully they were to wait till the buyers should come up to put down their gold then they were to rush out and seize all they could in this way one man and only one was taken who refused all food and died on the third day after his capture without uttering a word whereby the king of meli did not gain much but which induced the men of meli to believe that the other people were naturally dumb the captors described the appearance of those who escaped their hands men of fine build and height more than a palm's length greater than their own having the lower lip brought out and hung down even to the breast red and bleeding and disclosing their teeth which were larger than the common their eyes black prominent and fierce-looking for this treachery the trade was broken off three whole years till the great want of salt compelled the injured negroes to resume and since then the business had gone on as before the gold thus gained is carried by the men of meli 
to their city and then portioned out in three parts one part goes by the caravan route towards syria the other two-thirds go to timbuktu and are there divided once again part going to tunis the head of barbary and part to the regions of morocco over against granada and without the strait of the pillars of hercules gibraltar and to those parts come christian merchants and especially italians to buy the gold in exchange for merchandise of every sort for among the negroes and azanagais there is no coinage of gold or of silver no money token of metal but the whole is simply matter for exchange from the trade cotamosto changes to discourse of the politics of the natives their manners and customs their government for the most part is not monarchy but a tyranny of the richest and most powerful caste their wars are waged only with offensive arms light spears and swords they have no defensive armor but use horses which they sit as the moors do their ordinary garments are of cotton the plague of excessive drought during all the year except from august to october is aggravated at certain seasons by the worst plague of locusts and i myself have seen them flying by troops upon the sea and shore like an army but of countless number after this long digression cotamosto comes back to the gulf of senegal and this says he is the chief river of the region of the negroes dividing them from the tawny moors the mouth of the estuary is a mile wide but an island lying in mid-channel divides the river into two parts just where it enters the sea though the central channel is deep enough the entrance is made difficult to strangers by the shallows and sandbanks on either side every six hours the river rises and falls with the flow and ebb of the ocean and where it pours out its waters into the sea the flux and reflux of waters reaches to a distance of sixty miles as say the portuguese who have watched it the senegal is nearly four hundred miles beyond cape blanco a sandy shore stretches between the two up to the river the sailor sees from the shore only the wandering azanagais tawny squat and miserable savages across the stream to the south are the real blacks well-built noble-looking men and after so long a stretch of arid and stony desert there is now a beautiful green land covered with fruit-bearing trees the work of the river which men say comes from the nile being one of the four most glorious rivers of earth that flow from the garden of eden and earthly paradise for as the eastern nile waters egypt so this doth water ethiopia now the land of these negroes is at the entering in of ethiopia from which to cape verda the land is all level where the king of senegal reigning over people that have no cities but only scattered huts lives by the presents that his subjects bring him such are oxen goats and horses which are much valued for their scarceness but used without saddle bridle or trappings 
to these presents the king adds what he can plunder by his own strength especially slaves of which the blacks have a great trade with the azenagais their horses they sell also to the christian traders on the coast the king can have as many wives as he likes and always keeps well above his minimum of thirty to each of whom is assigned a certain estate with slaves and cattle but not equal to some more to others less the king goes the round of these farms at will and lives upon their produce any day you may see hosts of slaves bringing fruits of all sorts to the king as he goes through the country with his motley following all living at free quarters of the negroes of these parts most go naked but the chiefs and great men use cotton shirts as the country abounds in this sort of stuff cotamosto describes in great detail the native manufacture of garments and the habits of the women barefoot and bareheaded they go always dressed in linen elegant enough in apparel vile in life and diet always chattering great liars treacherous and deceitful to the last degree bloody and remorseless are the wars the princes of these barbarians carry on against one another they have no horsemen or body armor but use darts and spears barbed with many poisonous fangs and several kinds of arrows as with us from the beginning of the world they knew nothing of ships before the portuguese came they only used light canoes or skiffs each of which can be carried by three men and in which they fish and go from place to place on the river the boundaries of the kingdom of senegal are the ocean on the west the land of gombra on the south the inland blackman's country on the east and on the north the river niger senegal which as i have said before divides the ezenagais from the first kingdom of the negroes and the said river concludes cotamosto five years before my coming had been explored by the portuguese who hoped to open up a great commerce in those parts so that every year from that time their ships had been off that coast to trade cotamosto determined to push farther up the river than any had done before and so to come to the land of budamel one of the great negro princes and kingdoms for it was the name both of place and person when he came there he found an emperor so honest that he might have been an example to any christian who exchanged his horses wool-fells and linen goods for the stranger's merchandise and slaves with deeds as honourable as his words our adventurer was so taken with lord budamel that he gladly went with him two hundred and fifty miles up country on his promising a supply of negro slaves black but comely and none of them more than twelve years old on this adventurous journey of which we are next given a full account cotamosto is taken charge of by bisboro the prince's nephew through whom i saw many things worth noting 
the venetian was not anxious to put off to sea as the weather was very rough so rough indeed that no boat could venture off from the bank at the river's mouth to where the ships lay and the captain had to send word to his crews by negro swimmers who could pass any surf for that they excel all other living men in the water and under it for they can dive an hour without rising it is not worth while to follow cotamosto in all his long account of what he saw and heard of negro life in the course of this journey it is as unsavoury as it is commonplace he repeats very much of what he has said before about the ozenagais of their servility to their princes who are to them as mortal gods of the everlasting progresses and wanderings of those princes round their kingdoms from crawl to crawl living on the stores each wife has provided of the crawls themselves no towns or castles as people at home might think says cotamosto but merely collections of forty and fifty huts with a hedge of living trees round intertwined and the royal palace in the middle the prince of budamel has a bodyguard of two hundred men besides the volunteer guard of his innumerable children who are broken up in two groups one always at court and these are made the most of the other scattered up and down the country as a sort of royal garrison the wretched subjects who suffer more from their king with a good will than they would from any stranger under force are punished with death for the smallest things only two small classes have any privileges ministers of religion share with the greatest nobles the sole right of access to the person of the mortal god cotamosto set up a mart in the upland and made what profits he could from their miserable poverty making exchanges with cottons cloths oil millet skins palm-leaves and vegetables and above all of course with gold what little there was to be had meantime the negroes came stupidly crowding about me wondering at our christian symbols our white colour our dress and shape of body our damascenes garments of black silk and robes of blue cloth or dyed wool all amazed them some insisted that the white colour of the strangers was not natural but put on as with cook and so many others the savages now behaved with cotamosto they spat upon his arm and tried to rub off the white paint then they wondered more than ever when they found the flesh itself was white of gold after all not much was to be got and the exploring party was not long in returning to the caravels and pushing on beyond cape verde to the last the ships and their instruments were the chief terror and delight of the negroes and above all of the negro women the whole thing was the work of demons they said not of men seeing that our engines of war could fell one hundred men at one discharge the trumpets sounding they took to be the yells of a living and furious beast of prey cotamosto 
gave them a trumpet that they might see it was made by art they changed their minds accordingly and decided that such things were directly made by god himself above all admiring the different tones and crying loudly that they had never seen anything so wonderful the women looked through every part of the ship masts helm anchors sails and oars the eyes painted on the bow excited them the ship had eyes and could see before it and the men who used it must be wonderful enchanters like the demons this specially they wondered that we could sail out of all sight of land and yet know well enough where we were all which said they could not happen without black art scarcely less was their wonder at the sight of lighted candles as they had never before seen any light but that of fire when i showed them how to make candles from wax which before they had always thrown aside as worthless they were still more amazed saying that there was nothing we did not know and now cotamosto was ready to put off from the coast into the ocean and strike south for the kingdom of gambro as he had been charged by the prince who had told him it was not far from the senegal as the negroes had reported to him at sagres and that kingdom he had been told was so rich in gold that if christians could reach it they would gain endless riches so with two aims first to find the golden land and second to make discoveries in the unknown the venetian was just beginning to start afresh when he was joined by two more ships from portugal and they agreed to round cape verde together it was only some forty miles beyond budamel and the caravels reached it next day cape verde gets its name from its green grass and trees like cape blanco from its white sand both are very prominent lofty and seen from a great distance as they run out far into the sea but cape verde is more picturesque dotted as it is with little native villages on the side of the ocean and with three small desert islands a short distance from the mainland where the sailors found birds nests and eggs in thousands of kinds unknown in europe and above all enormous shellfish turtles of twelve pounds weight soon after passing cape verde the coast makes a great sweep to the east still covered with evergreen trees coming down in thick woods to within a bowshot of the sea so that from a distance the forest line seems to touch the high water mark as we thought at first looking on ahead from our ships many countries have i been into east and west but never did i see a prettier sight from the place the description again changes to the people and we are told once more with wearisome repetitions about the people beyond cape verde in most ways like the negroes of the senegal but not obedient to that kingdom and abhorring the tyranny of the negro princes having no king or laws themselves worshipping idols using poisoned arrows which kill at once even though they drew but little blood in short 
a most truculent folk but very fine of stature black and comely the whole coast east of cape verda was found unapproachable except for certain narrow harbours till with a south wind we reached the mouth of a river called ruam a bowshot across at the mouth and when we sighted this river which was sixty miles beyond cape verda we cast anchor at sunset in ten or twelve paces of water four or five miles from the shore but when it was day as the lookout saw there was a reef of rocks on which the sea broke itself we sailed on and came to the mouth of another river as large as the senegal with trees growing down to the water's edge and promising a most fertile country Cadamosto determined to land a scout here and caused lots cast among his slave interpreters which was to land and of these slaves negroes whom the native kings in the past had sold to portuguese and who had then been trained in europe i had many with me who were to open the country for our trade and to parley between us and the natives now the lot fell upon the genoese caravel which had joined the explorers to draw into the shore and land a prisoner to try the good will of the natives before any one else ventured the poor wretch instructed to inquire about the races living on the river and their manners polity king's name and capital gold supply and other matters of commerce had no sooner swum ashore than he was seized and cut to pieces by some armed savages while the ships sailed on with a south wind making no attempt to avenge their victim till after a lovely coast fringed with trees low-lying and rich exceedingly they came to the mouth of the gambra three or four miles across the haven where they would be and where cadamosto expected his full harvest of gold and pepper and aromatics the smallest caravel started at once the very next morning after the discovery to go upstream taking a boat with it in case the stream should suddenly get too shallow for anything larger while the sailors were to keep sounding the river with their poles all the way everybody too kept a sharp lookout for native canoes they had not long to wait two miles up the river three native amadias came suddenly out upon them and then stopped dead too astonished at the ship and the white men in it to offer to do more though they had at first a threatening look and were now invited to a parley by the europeans with every sign that could be thought of as the natives would not come any nearer the caravel returned to the mouth of the river and next morning at about nine o'clock the whole fleet started together upstream to explore with the hope of finding some more friendly natives by the kind care of heaven four miles up the negroes came out upon them again in greater force most of them sooty black in colour dressed in white cotton with something like a german helmet on their heads with two wings on either side and a feather in the middle a moor stood in the bow of each almadia holding a round leather shield 
and encouraging his men in their thirteen canoes to fight and to row up boldly to the caravels now their oars were larger than ours and in number they seemed past counting after a short breathing space while each party glared upon the other the negroes shot their arrows and the caravels replied with their engines which killed a whole rank of the natives the savages then crowded around the little caravel and set upon her they were at last beaten off with heavy loss and all fled the slave interpreters shouting out to them as they rode away that they might as well come to terms with men who were only there for commerce and had come from the ends of the earth to give the king of gambra a present from his brother of portugal and for that we hoped to be exceeding well loved and cherished by the king of gambra but we wanted to know who and where their king was and what was the name of this river they should come without fear and take of us what they would giving us in return of theirs the negroes shouted back that they could not be mistaken about the strangers they were christians what could they have to do with them they knew how they had behaved to the king of senegal no good men could stand christians who ate human flesh what else did they buy negro slaves for christians were plundering brigands too and had come to rob them as for their king he was three days journey from the river which was called gambra when cotamasto tried to come to closer quarters the natives disappeared and the crews refused to venture any farther upstream so the caravels turned back sailed down the river and coasted away west to cape verde and so home to portugal but before the venetian ends his journal he tells us how near prince henry's ships had now come to the equator when we were in the river of gambra once only did we see the north star which was so low that it seemed almost to touch the sea to make up for the loss of the pole star sunk to the third part of a lance's length above the edge of the water cotamosto and his men had a view of six brilliant stars in form of a cross which the june night was of thirteen hours and the day of eleven cotamosto only went home to refit for a second voyage though at first he had been baffled by the savagery of the men of gambra from finding out much about them he resolved to try again sailed out the very next year by way of the canaries and cape blanco and found after three days more sailing certain islands off cape verde where no one had been before the lookouts saw two very large islands towards the larger of which they sailed at once in the hope of finding good anchorage and friendly natives but no one friend or foe seemed to live there so next morning says cotamosto that i might satisfy my own mind i bade ten of my men armed with missiles and crossbows to explore the inland they crossed the hills that cut off the interior from the coast but found nothing except doves who were so tame that they could be caught in any number by the hand 
and now from another side of the first island they caught sight of three others towards the north and of two more towards the west which could not be clearly seen because of the great distance but for the matter of that we did not care to go out of our way to find what we now expected that all these other islands were desolate like the first so we went on our way due south and so passed another island and coming to the mouth of a river landed in search of fresh water and found a beautiful and fruitful country covered with trees some sailors who went inland found cakes of salt white and small by the side of the river and immense numbers of great turtles with shells of such size that they could make very good shields for an army here they stayed a couple of days exploring in the country and fishing in the river which was so broad and deep that it could easily bear a ship of one hundred and fifty tons burden and a full bowshot would not carry across it then naming their first discovered island boa vista and the largest of the group st james because it was on the feast of the apostle they found it they sailed on along the coast of the mainland till they came to the place of the two palms between the senegal and cape verde and since the whole land was known to us before we did not stay but boldly rounded cape verde and ran along to the gambra up this they at once began to steer no canoes came out upon them this time and no natives appeared except a few who hung about some way off and did not offer to stop them ten miles up they found a small island where one of the sailors died of a fever and they called the new discovered land st andrew after him the natives were now much more approachable and Cotamosto's men conversed with the bolder ones who came close up to the caravel like the men of senegal two things above all astonished and confounded them the white sails of the ships and the white skins of the sailors after much debate carried on by yelling from boat to boat one of the negroes came on board the caravel and was loaded with presents to make him more communicative the ruse was successful the string of his tongue was quite loosed and he chattered along freely enough the country like the river was called gambra its king Ferrosangle, lived ten days journey toward the south but he was himself under the emperor of meli chief of all the negroes was there no one nearer than Ferrosangle? oh yes there was Batamansa, king Batty, and a good many other princes who lived quite close to the river would he guide them to Batamansa? yes safe enough his country was only some forty miles from the mouth of the gambra and so we came to Batamansa, where the river was narrowed down to about a mile in breadth where Cotamosto offered presents to the king and made a great speech before the negro magnates which is abridged in the narrative lest the matter should become a great iliad king Batty returned the portuguese presents with gifts of slaves and gold 
but the europeans were sadly disappointed with the gold it was not at all equal to what they expected or what the people of senegal had talked of being poor themselves they had fancied their neighbors must be rich on the other hand the negroes of gambra would give almost any price for trinkets and worthless toys because they were new fifteen days or nearly that did the portuguese stay there trading and immense was the variety of their visitors in that time most came on board simply from wonder and to stare at them others to sell their cotton cloths nets gold rings civet and furs baboons and marmots fruit and especially dates each canoe seemed to differ in its build and its crew from the last the river crowded with this light craft was like the rhone near lyons but the natives worked their boats like gondolas standing one rowing and another steering with oars that were like half a lance in shape a pace and a half long with a round board like a trencher tied at the end and with these they make very good pace being great coasting voyagers but not venturing far out to sea or away from their own country lest they should be seized and sold for slaves to the christians after the fortnight's stay in Badamance's country the crews began to fall ill and Caramosto determined to drop down the river once more to the coast noting as he did so all the habits of the natives most of them were idolaters nearly all had implicit faith in charms some worshipped mahmud most vile and some were nomads like the gypsies of europe for the most part the people of the gambra lived like those of the senegal dressing in cotton and using the same food except that they ate dog's flesh and were all tattooed women as well as men we need not follow Cotamosto in his accounts of the great trees, the wild elephants, great bats, and horse-fish of the country. A chief called Numimansa, King Numi, living near the mouth of the Gambra, took him on an elephant hunt in which he got the trophies, foot, trunk, and skin, that he took home and presented to Prince Henry. On descending the Gambra, the caravel tried to coast along the unexplored land but was driven by a storm into the open sea after driving about some time and nearly running on a dangerous coast they came at last to the mouth of a great river which they called rio grande for it seemed more like a gulf or arm of the sea than a river and was nearly twenty miles across some twenty-five leagues beyond the gambra here they met natives in two canoes who made signs of peace but could not understand the language of the interpreters the new country was absolutely outside the farthest limits of earlier exploration and discovery would have to begin afresh Cotamosto had no mind to risk anything more his crew were sick and tired and he turned back to lisbon observing before he left the raw or rio grande as he noticed in his earlier voyage that the north star almost touched the horizon and that the tides of that coast were very marvellous for instead of flow and ebb 
being six hours each as at venice the flow here was but four and the ebb eight the tide rising with such force that three anchors could hardly hold the caravel End of chapter seventeen